What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This Haberman of Middlecoff segment is brought to you by Ease.com and EaseWellness.com, promo code HAM, and MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1. Download the SeatGeek app and use the promo code HAM for 10 bucks off your first purchase and use the promo code HAM at Manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Now to the segment. The uh, big event in the Bay Area uh, was uh, WWE Raw on was Tuesday night. Was Center? It was at Chase Center, yeah. Wow. Yeah, you, hey, man, 200 events. you got to stack them up. I'll give Lakeup credit on this. Now, I mean, he was like, yeah, what do you think we're going to do? They have just every – I mean, basketball season, I didn't realize they were having this many events this quick. I was they the hit guy, the like, ground are running. We sure we're gonna, are we sure we're going to get this thing built in time? Yeah. I think you Lakeup put that thing building. up, you don't go soft opening. You just uh, – no, you got to start making money from the second those doors open. That air conditioning. WWE, yeah, Metallica, Elton John. Yep, John Mayer. Do you think Jimmy paid for those tickets? First row, right behind the broadcast. Like it, to me, it's not an accident. They're sitting behind the broadcast table. Usually, and mainly it's just NFL players because it's usually like you know I don't think LeBron James is going to a WWE event. They're always it feels like sitting in like the super super famous. Athletes are always sitting in that seat. So maybe WWE gives them. You know what it goes to show? If you're, yeah, maybe they did because Kittle had been doing, Kittle did some, can you smell what the Rocket, what the Niners are cooking or whatever the day before, Sunday? He did it in the locker room, like after the win. Um, And And then the Rock had tweeted about them. Yeah. Uh, That's pretty cool. Even Kittle was like, this is pretty badass. It's badass. (laughs) It does go to show, no matter how famous you are, I do think, like, being on camera when the camera's actually not for you never stops being fun. No matter how many times you've been on camera, when someone else is on camera and you get the chance to, for lack of a better term, just kind of goof off or photobomb in the background, it never stops being fun. Like George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo have more camera time than 99.9% of America, and yet they get on camera behind a broadcast and they start acting like Barry from the shop. I, I, I got to take the L a little bit because right around maybe probably before midseason, people were like, Middlecoff, 
is this guy Gronkowski? And I was like, let's pump the brakes. I did not, and, and we talked to him this year, and you could feel it. But even when we interviewed him, like his stardom was already strong. I, but his stardom has exponentially grown, wouldn't you say, faster than most people could have you know, put a finger on. Like, I didn't expect it to be this fast. Like, well, he's, I'm not saying he's Jimmy, but he is the Niners' big personality. He's not the Niners' most famous player because he's not the quarterback. But he's – do you think he's their best player? Well, he's or their best the player, defenses? but I'm saying he's – but he's he's the double yeah. whammy because he's their best player and their biggest personality. Right. He's a star. He's right? a he's star. He's an exceptional player, and he is comfortable doing all the things that – just being himself. He's First of all, he's, he's a little – he's different. Yeah. He's not just, you know, straight – so he puts himself out there, and he's entertaining, and he's but fun. He's like, he's likable. He's super likable. Yeah, um, we had him on the podcast. For anyone that's missed it, go back and listen to it. He was great. When you say there's a little bit of a, when you do talk to him, there is a little bit of a humility. Maybe humility is the wrong word. Like naivete. Like I, no, I don't even I think, think it's he's humil- I I think it's the right mix of like puts himself out there, but it is. It's not a. Uh, I know. I think he's. I think it is humility. I think which to me, which what, makes to me what I feel when I watch Kittle, when we talk to Kittle, what I feel is a guy who um, believes in himself, knows he's great, but also is enjoying the fa- – like, and this is what Gronk does, right? It's like Gronk is having fun taking advantage of all the things you get when you're Gronk. And I think Kittle is like just enjoying being a star athlete. You know, He's when just I, making the most of it. I, I, think I, think the, I think the other thing – when you think about Gronk and Kittle has this too, you just go, you know what? This guy's pretty normal of a guy. I mean, he's not necessarily normal in the sense that he's so famous, but like he'd be the type guy to just be nice to people on the street. Like he's not an asshole. And I, I think Gronkowski's been pretty consistent. He just seems like he's probably just pretty nice to most people that he runs into. Right. And that's what I think Kittle has going for him too, where he's just there's some humble roots to him that make people kind of gravitate toward the, those, those guys. Now, part of it is, especially for Gronk, who's what Kittle aspires to be, is was, I mean, the first ballot Hall of Famer. And if Kittle can just keep... The problem is for Kittle already, just given the way their offense is set up, like he just it's going to be hard to have just constant 10-touchdown seasons, right? Which, as an MVP, not an MVP, but as a future Hall of Famer, because he has Hall of Fame talent. It's clear, right? Right. Physically, he's the best blocker in the league. There was that play late in the game where Jimmy kind of dumped it off to him, and you're just like, he can make a guy miss, and then he has like the short area burst. You're like, Jesus Christ, this guy looks like uh, Sammy Watkins or something with the ball in his hands. Like, that's not how a tight end is supposed to look. But one of the reasons, like, for example, Tony Gonzalez became the great best tight end ever because they just force-fed him the ball every year. For, and he was great at it, but – he was a lock to get 80 to 100 catches, where Kittle might have some seasons where it's just like he's the best tight end in the league guy and has 57 catches. Hell, I mean, that could be like this year, right? What's he have right now? Because even, even the other like day. Five or six. Now, found- now, in fairness, tra- and he, even he, when we were interviewing him, because I was like, oh, you were second-team All-Pro. Gronk was one. He's like, no, Travis Kelsey was. And Travis is, you know I mean? Travis, I just is, mean, Travis it- is also headed to the Hall of Fame. He had six catches the other day, right? He didn't score a touchdown, but... But I think the week before, I don't know if he was had, it I had him. Yeah. I, my guess right now is he has 13 catches on the season. And I am... Uh, it feels low. Yeah, you're right. He's got 17. But he's got no, <laughs> no touchdowns. So he's averaging about, what, 
Yeah, you're right. Four, Cincinnati was only three catches. So he's averaging four and a half a game. So if you do four and a half, 16 games, I'm not a math major here, but you're talking, you know, mid-60s. Which I think some of, like, what would you guess Travis Kelsey had last year when he was first team all bro? My guess would be 96. Four and a half is 72. So, exactly. Not a math major, like I said. What are you guessing? Tra- what did Travis Kelsey have last year is your guess? God, he was uh, a monster. <laughs> like 90? He had 103 and 10 touchdowns. Okay. So, but, I mean, that's his, and Ertz has some 90-plus. Yeah, but I what guess. did Kittle have? Not as many catches as you think. Kittle had... 85? No? Uh, no, you're right. I, I felt, for some reason, I felt like he had like 70. He had 88. You're right. Well, he had the he most had yards, right? Yeah. He so. had 88, 1377. It's just, it feels like... But Gronk I mean, had a couple years where he had like 15 touchdowns in his prime. Also, know? postseason success is a big part of that. Just the way you're perceived. I, I And I guess my overall point on Kittle, beside the special personality as we talked about, his greatness is not always going to be defined in the stat sheet, which I, you know, can be a challenge in this day and age for some people. Now, they luckily, can't. there are enough Baldingers and, and Riddicks out there that are football guys. And Haberman that, and Middlecoffs. Yeah, this show that emphasized that shit, right? I, yeah, and also it's pretty early, and he's not under the radar as a player. Not at all. I, I actually think he's non-quarterback, one of the more famous players in the league. And part of it's because of fantasy, but, I mean, a big part of it is. But that's a good. I mean, that's a good thing. That's how you well, get famous now. Yeah, yeah. And this team winning, obviously, the number there were some PFF. Who you sent me something about how good Jimmy's been the last two weeks? You know, for me, I I thought week three was better than week two. Um, uh, and then like Kyle this week, they Kyle said on KNBR that he watches uh, Bill Belichick tape every week. Which to me, my take on that is a lot of people watch a lot of things. Like we all watch the greats. Not everybody can take what somebody else does and apply it to what they do. Jim, uh, uh, Kyle has the brain power to do that. Like, uh, you know, every offseason, like, oh, we spent the whole lot. We studied Gary Patterson's defense. It's like, all right, well, what are you doing with it? Um, everybody studied the pistol. Okay, well, cool. How, well, how many non-SEC coaching staffs have gone to visit with Saban, right, over the last 10 years? Right. He, he lets them all in. I, I somehow stumbled on the other day as Dabo Sweeney because they're playing North Carolina. And he talked about when he got the job in 2009. It was just because I followed Clemson football. And I just, when I woke up at like 6.45 in the morning, I look up and he's talking because it's like 10 o'clock there or whatever. And he's just giving his, you know, weekly press conference. So I'm like, I want to see what Dabo's like. I mean, it's an experience in its own. But he talked about in 2009 when he first got the job, Texas was on top of the world. And he just cold called Mac Brown. And he said he got a call back the next day and Mac's like, bring your entire staff out here. So he's like, I went out there for three days. I had never met him in my life. I, he, I, he didn't even wow. say, like, how did this guy even know who I am? Well, I mean, he knew who I was because I just got the job, but he's like, what does that mean to him? And I, we stayed there for four days. Mac gave me hours upon hours. One night he took us out to dinner. He's like, this is one of the best experiences of my life. You could tell like a little Harbaugh and Harbaugh, like – in a perfect world, Dabo would not want to play Mac Brown. Like he, I think he views this guy as like one of his mentors. But Dabo's a good example of someone who probably has studied a lot of other, probably a little less X's and O's, like Kyle, and probably just more operationally. 
but he's able, like, if Dabo comes to you, if went to Belichick or went to Mac Brown, he's going to steal the good shit and he's going to be able to implement it. If you give Kyle the clicker and you throw on the all 22 of Belichick, he's going to steal the good shit. I think Andy, a lot of the West Coast guys, the, the intellectual guys are like that. Here's the other thing, and you say this because you said this to me earlier, and I hadn't thought of this. Do you think Kyle is just watching the Patriots offense? Wouldn't you imagine he watches the Chiefs offense every week and, and like the Colts? and just No, all no, the what other- I mean is what, do you think he's watching, oh, I'll lead oh, you to oh, what oh, you oh, said oh. earlier, which is I think he's also watching Belichick's defense. Well, because when I, when I just retweeted that yesterday, everyone's like, you mean he's watching Josh McDaniels? And, and my first thought was like, yeah, you're, you're right. That's what he's watching. And I, then I started thinking, are we sure that he just doesn't – like maybe he watches the, the offense and Brady. I think there is no doubt in my mind that he watches what are teams doing against Belichick and then how does Belichick solve them. And even if he just gets two or three nuggets, he then implements that like knowing that I don't necessarily know how that impacts him week to week, but it has to give him ideas. You know, because you interview coaches every week when you're calling these games. And if you just watch a lot of press conferences, they love saying these things. I don't think a lot of people quite understand what it means when they go, we have to have beaters built in. So if you if we're running a play and you call the perfect defense against that play, I have to have a beater, meaning like a cover one beater, a cover two beater, a cover three beater implemented in the offense and some of those are option routes where where like this is what makes football so complicated if Julian Edelman gets out three steps and realizes they're in the defense that this play is not going to work against he has to be able to ad-lib on the fly and then because Brady is going to be able to see it they're on the same page the complications of the highest level offense are so stupid guy It, it really is like the level and I think it speaks to I don't know if I sent you this either I know I sent you the one on the, the Jimmy stats. Lombardi had something yesterday that the Patriots right now have gone three and out only once. So, or not the Patriots, the Chiefs, once wow. this year. No, like I three, didn't see this. 3% of their drives have gone. The 49ers are second best with, with, with 2%, or excuse me, twice. And that's like 6% or whatever. But it just shows you that if you're going to consistently win on third down, which – any coach, the word they always say, the must down, right, is third down because it keeps fucking drives alive. Unless you're Harbaugh or Doug Peterson, where the analytics guys, they're going to go for it on fourth down. I was texting <laughs> with Jeff Schwartz the other day, like, everyone's like, the analytics, the going for it on fourth down. Like, it's not some new revelation that going for it on fourth down in the fourth quarter when you're down is some, like, most coaches are just scared. You know, it's not really, it's not analytics, it's just common sense. It's what every fan's screaming at their team to do on the on the couch. But back to Kyle, and I think this is what makes it so complicated, and I, I think it speaks to when you look at, obviously, McDaniels and Brady and Edelman and those guys are going to be on a different level. They've been working together on football. Like, their 10-year run together, what is that in football years? Like, 30 years? Like, no staff and quarterback are together that long. What's so crazy about Andy and Mahomes is – and I think this probably speaks to that first year Mahomes was able to go like Blake Griffin, Ben Simmons, you know, his rookie year. Now, he wasn't injured, but he just got to watch and soak it all in. So it was like one mental year of just like taking it all in. So despite they're only in there, you know, he started that one game last year or his first year and then all year that second year and then the couple games this year. He hasn't played that much, 
but they're really on a much farther trajectory than just the amount of games he's played. And I think maybe Jimmy and Kyle now are kind of getting to that point and just kind of the core of their offense. It's not just Jimmy and Kyle. It's Kittle. It's Staley. It's uh, it's McGlinchey. It's, it's, it's Richburg now has been here two years. All the running backs have been – like Braid has been on the team now three years, right? Juszczyk has been here from day one. So a lot of those guys are all on the same page. Like – that, that's underrated, maybe the biggest advantage that Belichick, Brady, and McDaniels have. And their core of guys. It's like, well, they just they don't really have that many random guys. They got McCourty. Do you know that Slater, their special teams guy, has been there since 08? I mean, a lot of their core guys that fucking play have been there forever. Like, we're able to do this podcast. We've been doing shows now for a long fucking time. You know, it just, it helps when you have some cohesion. Now, the Niners' cohesion is nowhere near on that level, but... Their group of guys on offense have been together for a while. And Kyle, as we've always said, I mean, just look around the way the league talks about him. They think he's a genius. Well, to be a genius, you have to have other people on your level. And they may never get to your level, but the only way they can get close is spending a lot of time around you, right? And I think they're benefiting from that. That's why I think Kyle yearned to have Kirk Cousins because he knew there would be no lag time. Right. Don't you think there's a big element there? I, I think if... Now, maybe Kyle doesn't believe Kirk Cousins is a stud, but he'd have to, if we were having beers, like, yeah, Kirk has limitations. Like, I think he would be able to say that out loud, right? Uh, yeah, I would think so. Let's hit the ground running. We'll get another quarterback we can develop behind him, but let's hit the ground running. I don't want to lose football games. Which, which makes sense. I, I, I get it. You know, it's, I understand well, it's what every, that John, it's what everybody does. You get a job, you bring in people you know. Well, I, I would say in my experience, though, like, Andy's mind doesn't work like that. He wants the most talented guy, and then he'll work with him. You know? Okay. Almost everybody does that. Yeah. I, I, I think that certain and, – and it's just kind of Especially, I would say, would you say this, first-time people yeah. in particular do that? Yeah. First-time younger coaches, too. Yeah. I guess Sean McVay didn't really have a choice because they had just drafted the guy number one overall. And neither did – I guess I don't every, even mean I, well when I every say situation that, is different. But I'm not talking about the quarterback necessarily. I'm just saying like yeah, somebody gets a new job, him. they they're bringing in coaching staff. It's filled with guys they know. Well, look it's at what Kyle did. Of, he went and got Pierre Garçon. You just want a couple couple guys that when great you example. walk out to practice, you go, yeah, we know each other, right? So, so you're just all not starting from a blank slate. Wouldn't you say that's pretty consistent in anything you've ever experienced in your life? People always try yeah, that, to. That's my point. It's yeah. just I wasn't making a quarterback comment, although. With quarterbacks, you would say, especially when you're bringing a new offense, it's like it helps if the guy on the field is helping, knows it well enough to teach it, which Kirk probably knows it well enough to teach it. Can you but, imagine the ability like Belichick and Brady have to just know like what each other's Nonverbal communicate. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's never going to be seen again, guy, ever in the history of sports. That's fucking insane. And that's why Popovich always talked about Duncan like, don't get it twisted. Duncan made me. Like I, without this guy, this thing never happens. You know, I mean, Steve's like, I think hopefully Steph plays another ten years. What'd you think of the Jimmy G stats, by the way? That you that you should, what was he second most uh, efficient quarterback in the last? Now these stats were the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think a huge element of that, and we talked. This was about David it. Newman. Sorry, it was second highest pass grade behind Brady. Second highest percentage of positively graded throws. Fourth lowest percentage of negatively graded throws. Those are throws below replacement, uh, according to me. Third most accurate based on ball location. I think a lot of it has to do, 
and I haven't studied the last or just watched the last two Brady games because he's played the Jets and the Dolphins. But they're not as dependent on running the ball. Like, he just can go five wide and he'll just pick you apart. Where Jimmy's success, and this is not, I'm not trying to knock him at all, they've been running the shit out of the, the football the last two weeks. So when you can do that, and we talked about just the defense not being able to tee off, you're in a conducive position to, to just control and dictate the terms. So Jimmy's throwing back, dropping back, and they're not necessarily teeing off on him. And I, when I say teeing off, like their pass rushers have to play the run first. And then even when they did, just I just had the Niner game on in the background this morning. And just every time I'd kind of peek at it, you'd see he was getting blasted. The one thing he did a really good job in the Steeler game is when he was getting hit, delivered pretty accurate balls or, or catchable balls at least. Mm-hmm. And that's, as we talked about last show, if if you're standing in there in pressure, the Niners are going to be pretty good if Jimmy can, as long as he doesn't get hurt. Right. But like if he's standing in there and waiting that extra split second and then going to deliver an accurate ball – and this goes for any quarterback, you can't really beat an offense if the guy's willing to do that, right? Like, the, the offense, it's a little like the basketball where, yeah, you can play great defense, but I, if I'm Jordan or Clay or Kevin, I'm scoring. Where if I'm Phillip Rivers or Andrew Luck or now Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm staying in that extra second and I'm willing to take the shot, and my guy, I, that guy's going to get open more times than not, I'm going to win. Well, there's, there's, always, there's always this battle, right, of – can you can can we protect our quarterback longer than you can cover our receivers in the past game? Do you think it's pretty and, fair to say that it's it's basically unless you have like Jalen Ramsey's impossible to cover receivers in this day and age because of the lack of physicality for that long? Yeah, well, and just the change in offenses. What did you think of the uh, the video of Carson Wentz getting sacked? But it was like six seconds in the pocket. But all his offensive linemen stopped blocking. It was like, who do you blame here? Is it him for not getting rid of the football, or should all his line? Because all all of his linemen stop. Well, did did was it fair to say that Twitter was kind of shitting on the O lineman? Yeah, that's why I saw Jeff Short. Anything that involves O lineman usually comes to my attention because Jeff Shorts tweets about it. What did he say? Just like this, how long do you expect these guys to block? Well, I, and I would imagine, what if the play was like one, two, three had the ball out? So they just what? What's Jason Peters supposed to do? Like Carson, you still you still scrambled around back there? Okay, I've got you. Like, they just, they all stop. So, to me, I think offensive linemen in general have kind of earned, this is not, they're not wide receivers. Most of them are fucking consistently playing hard and trying. That that, to me, Carson, the play that was supposed to hit didn't hit, and they just thought, again, they're not looking down the field, guy. They're just kind of looking forward. They don't know, they don't have eyes, they literally don't have eyes in the back of their head. I I come to defense of the O-line group, because it was the entire group, one, and that's another classic one, like, guy's not fighting for the dude. Like, give me a fucking break. Unless you know the play call, yeah, no one has no. any goddamn clue what's going on. I will say, it seems like a lot of people have picked up on what I said on the last podcast. Not, they haven't picked up on it, because I said it. Just I didn't know that everyone was noticing it, but clearly everyone is noticing. Bonus coverage, Sunday afternoon, setting sun, West Coast, Rivers trying to lead some furious comeback. It's happened a million times. Uh, uh, Big Cat was talking about it or tweeted about it. Rusillo and, and Long were talking about it. <laughs> I know. No one. I, I, the one thing I feel like I've said differently is it's always the bonus coverage too. But anyway, I've got early prediction. Yeah, why do their games consistently hug like four forty five? Well, the they afternoon? must get. They must always have the one twenty five kick. But the, but then there is there a delay somewhere in their game because they're always guy in the late game, and we're not talking overtime. We're talking like God. There's six minutes left in the fourth quarter. 
Maybe because they always throw so much, the games are slower. Because Philip throws forty-five times a game or whatever he throws. Yeah, maybe. But I- I've got early, early prediction from me. Fifteen years down the road, Wentz will we? This will be like that is Wentz's future right there. What we see with the Chargers, he's not going to win another Super Bowl in Philly, but he's going to have good teams. He's going to have to carry them. It's going to be weird. It's going to be wild. He's always going to be ripping off his. It's always going to be him ripping off his chin strap at the end of a game. See, I'm going to I'm going to push back. I think Wentz is okay. dramatically better. I do too. I, I think he's better too. I just think that's. The that to me is he's the next guy that we're gonna just always now he's not always gonna be the late Sunday window. That, yeah, to me, that's to me he, the future. Here's the other thing I I think consistently if Carson has good players around him and the Eagles will always do everything possible they can to surround him with sweet dudes that they won't. I I, I have a hard time seeing better them franchise. Many, you're right. Is better in franchise. many situations like that. We'll revisit this in a decade and a half. Be, because the, the run the Chargers are on for that 20 minute bonus period is unprecedented in sports history. It'd be like the equivalent of a baseball team, you know, went to extra innings 30 percent more than the league average or something. I mean, it's just it's crazy. It's it's. It's unspeakable how it consistently happens. And <laughs> but it always are, looks exactly the and same. The and the scores are always the same, too. But the, John, but the way it looks is my, like Carson like, and Phillip, I think what they both do is they get, you, they get themselves into trouble that they have to get themselves out of, and they're both good enough to get themselves out of it, but it just always looks crazy. That's, very, that, to very me, is crazy. the comp. Uh, all right, but Jimmy's looking good, John. And this is now we've got, we've got plenty of time here because they're on a bye. But now they've got an extra week to prepare for this Browns team that is reeling. Well, like, I, I, and I, I, here's Freddie the Freddie Kitchens thing. got out coached the other night. Well, get ready for this. Well, think about this guy. And I think this is like if you're an Eagles fan, why you're kind of angry and, and Nagy's kind of fans have been edgy about him. This is what makes Kyle, I think, so good is you go – because the Eagles fans would be like, well, yeah, I get Alshon and Deshaun are out, but we're still rolling out Nelson Aguilar. We got Aguilar. Zach can't even catch a baby out of a window. <laughs> you know what's funny about that guy? He had two touchdowns in the game. I had him on my fantasy team. He crushed it. <laughs> Did you see Nelson invite him to the next game? Yeah, I saw that. That they have Nelson Aguilar. They got Zach Ertz. They they drafted a third round wide receiver in JJ Ortega Whiteside, who you know a little rich for my taste, but you know it is what it is. He ran fast the combine, and uh, they draft Miles Sanders high. They still got Sproles. They got they trade for Justin ha- Jordan Howard. And you go, well, Kyle, it's like, who's Kyle rolling out? Like, Juszczyk, Breda, and Kittle. I mean, Kittle's a star, but then it's like Debo. And his offense just doesn't even flinch, right? And that's, I think, that when you come back to Kyle, his infrastructure of his offense is, like, the one thing the Andes and the Dugs and the Naggies, they are a little more dependent on the players because their their offense, they kind of, they don't make it up as they go. That sounds like they're just kind of guessing. But every week is a little just based on game point, you know, it's just, it changes. Where Kyle's offense, for the most part, wouldn't you say since he's been here, has looked the exact fucking same. Like his his staple plays are kind of what they are. And then his trick plays are kind of based off his staple plays. You're like, whoa, that's a throwback screen off the play-action boot, right? Right, but they're not trick plays in the traditional sense of trick plays, right? Yeah, like to me, a trick play from like Josh McDaniels is like a quick screen to Edelman, who then throws it back to Josh Gordon, who then has throws it back to Tom Brady. It's like, whoa, that's incredible. Where Kyle's trick play is like, he did like a fake screen throwback, but instead of having George Kittle go out late, it was Juszczyk that went out late. But it's all the same structure. And I think that's where Kyle, because I was texting someone with the 49ers the other day. I'm like, well, 
I was hard on Mike McDaniels, who I saw that Kyle, I think, must have said in the KNBR interview. They asked him who's in the office the longest. They said Mike McDaniels by far. But he's like... Was this with Papa? No, I think this might have been like Tolbert yesterday. Okay. Is that he's like, well, Mike doesn't have kids, so what else are you going to do? You know, kind of like get a shot. Like, yeah, some of us go home, but we got lives. But Mike McDaniels was quoted in that SI article over the summer, like, this offense makes quarterbacks, not the other way around. And that kind of bothered me. Because, again, I, I philosophically came from a different school of thought. But then you watch, and you're like, well. And I was taking some with the night. I was like, eh, the motherfucker has a point, you know. Because this shit works. You know? No doubt. Do, do you, oh, here's what I wrote down today. Because I saw, you know, the Redskins are clearly just getting beyond shit on right now for the last 48 hours in Washington. And I don't blame them. You see the stats of, like, their Monday night record, I think, is like 3-18 and 18 since Dan Snyder bought the team. Like, it's by far the worst. Yeah, I think Monday it might be two. Record. Or it might be two. Well, do you know one of those wins was against the uh, Oakland Raiders? Oh, I remember that game. Do you know the th- three of the undefeated teams right now come from the Mike Shanahan staff of uh, 2012? Kyle, Kyle, Kyle McVay, and Matt LaFleur? 9-0. Uh, it's one of those things when you cover the Redskins or talk about the Redskins for a living, these are the type of things that are driving you nuts. You're like, how do we fucking suck so much? All these guys that were win our building are kicking ass. You yeah. Know? <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.